Hola and welcome to Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pitch. Thank you so much for joining me this Wednesday evening. Coming up in today's broadcast, we take a look at Lesotho's upcoming general elections through the eyes of the Catholic Commission for Justice and Peace. But first, a quick look at some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. Hi, I'm Archbishop Peter Wells, Apostolic Nuncio. Thank you for listening to Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. In your headlines this Wednesday evening, Hope reflects on Mary Magdalene, the Apostle of Hope at General Audience. Catholic prelates lead mediation efforts in Central African Republic. And Cardinal laments delay in securing Chibok girls' release. Good evening once again, I'm Sheila Pirish. At this morning's general audience, Pope Francis continued his weekly catechesis on hope, this time reflecting on Mary Magdalene as an example. Calling her the Apostle of Hope, the Pope emphasized that just as she was called to the tomb of Jesus, so too does Jesus call each of us by name. Dear brothers and sisters, in our catechesis on Christian hope, we now reflect on Mary Magdalene as an apostle of the hope brought by the gospel. St. John tells us that on Easter morning, Mary had gone to the tomb of Jesus. She saw that it was empty and returned to tell this news to Peter and the other disciples. Returning to the tomb, yet still not understanding what had happened, Mary encounters the risen Lord, but does not recognize him until he calls her by name. This first appearance of Jesus after rising from the dead is thus something intensely personal. We know that just as he did with Mary Magdalene, so too Jesus calls each of us by name and fills us with joy at his presence. Our encounter with him brings freedom and opens up new vistas of life it transforms our world and brings undying hope. The risen Lord tells Mary not to cling to him, but to go and tell the good news of his resurrection to others. Mary Magdalene thus becomes the apostle of Christian hope. By her prayers, may we encounter anew the risen Lord, who calls us by name, turns our sorrow into joy, and sends us forth to proclaim by our lives that he is truly risen. Moving on to African news, there are over 130 deaths in Alindao in the southeast of the Central African Republic caused by armed groups who also attacked Bangaso, where six blue helmets were killed in two different attacks. Jocelyn Sambira reports from UN News. Members of a wide coalition, including anti-Belaka elements, attacked civilian populations Friday night, targeting in particular Muslims in the Tokoyo neighborhood of Bangasu, according to MINUSCA, the UN mission in CAR. Displaced civilians have fled to the mosque, the Catholic Church, and a hospital. 
A UN soldier died in the attack, bringing to six the number of peacekeepers killed in the West African nation this week. Offering his condolences to the family of the bereaved peacekeeper and the government of the Kingdom of Morocco, the UN chief warned that such attacks may constitute a war crime. Antonio Guterres also called on the Central African Republic authorities to investigate the incident in order to swiftly bring those responsible to justice. The attack came just hours after the UN held a memorial ceremony to honor five peacekeepers killed on May 8th in a nearby village of Yogofongo. Meanwhile, two Catholic prelates have been active in efforts to mediate the continuing conflict between the government and rebel forces in the Central African Republic. According to Fides News, Cardinal Diodone Nzapalainga of Bangui has been successful in persuading hundreds of rebels to leave Bangasu. And Bishop Juan Munoz also intervened to defend a group of about a thousand Muslims who had sought refuge in a mosque when they were attacked by militia troops. UN peacekeepers with the Minumsa Stabilization Mission have come under fire again in their camp in Timbuktu, Mali. Matthew Wells reports from UN News. Four blue helmets and three members of the Malian armed forces were injured when eight shells were reportedly fired in the direction of the airport close to the UN compound. A peacekeeper was killed after the camp was attacked on the 3rd of May and nine injured. Extremist fighters occupied northern Mali in 2012 but were pushed back the following year. Here's UN spokesperson Stéphane Dujaric. The UN mission condemns the attack and denounces the increasing violence in regions of northern Mali. The mission also calls on signatories of the peace agreement to increase their efforts towards the implementation of the agreement, which is the only way to achieve stability in the country. The UN peacekeeping chief Jean-Pierre Lacroix is continuing his first visit to Mali and paid a visit to the Liberian contingent who came under attack on the 3rd of May. He paid tribute to the fallen peacekeeper and conveyed his solidarity with all civilian and uniformed staff and thanked them for their dedicated service. Nigeria's leading prelate, Cardinal John Onayeken of Abuja, has welcomed the release of 82 girls. However, the 82 girls from Chibok, Nigeria, recently released by the Boko Haram terrorist group, have an uphill road to climb, reintegrating into society. Now, that's according to UN expert Urmila Bula, the special rapporteur on contemporary forms of slavery, who has expressed deep concern about the plight of the 115 girls who remain in captivity. The people we met with in some of the camps also said to us that there are big challenges with, with, being, with the girls being reintegrated into their families and communities because of the stigma and the discrimination and the marginalization that they face. Mainly the perception is that they've been radicalized by Boko Haram, that their children will grow up to be Boko Haram fighters, and they themselves might become Boko Haram suicide bombers. At the time of our mission, two girls had been arrested for um, planning to be suicide bombers. They were fortunately apprehended before the incident took place. Since then, there has been an increase in the number of girls uh, being used as suicide bombers. That has prompted increasing concerns by various communities about the girls being radicalized, There's cultural um, and traditional resistance to bringing them back to their communities. They are referred to as hyenas or snakes or epidemics. That illustrates a high degree of stigmatization against these girls. A number of um, families 
and communities who said that they are concerned about the children are being of bad blood because they have Boko Haram blood in them. Some of the communities said they will never accept these children. However, on the converse, there were also some communities, and these were said to be the mixed Muslim Christian communities, where children were accepted, including boys. But it seems as if, in general, a great degree of resistance to the children born of forced marriage. In 2014, close to 300 schoolgirls were kidnapped in northeast Nigeria, where government forces have been battling a Boko Haram insurgency for the past six years. The UN activists and religious leaders have called for continued global support for the country's efforts to release, rehabilitate and reintegrate all of Boko Haram victims, even as those who have regained their freedom struggle to regain their lives. The humanitarian crisis faced by South Sudan people is one of the greatest tragedies of our time. That's according to Filippo Grandi, the UN High Commissioner for Refugees, speaking in Geneva. Daniel Johnson reports from Geneva. The world's youngest nation, which gained independence in 2011, has seen its development blighted by violence between forces loyal to President Salva Kiir and former Vice President Rick Machar for more than three years. Today, South Sudanese men, women and children have fled in all directions, creating the largest refugee crisis in Africa. Latest UN figures indicate that nearly 1.8 million people have left South Sudan to seek refuge in all six nations that border it, Kenya, Uganda, Sudan, Democratic Republic of the Congo, Central African Republic and Ethiopia. Nearly nine in ten of those fleeing are women and children. In his call for international donors to step forward, Mr. Grandy said it was telling that the $1.4 billion appeal was only 14% funded. South Sudan is one of the greatest tragedies of our time and the fact that the neighboring countries have been so generous and have taken the very big bulk of this burden should send a message of an urgent message that we need to help them as soon as possible. Drought and famine have also led to further mass displacement in South Sudan, but it's the violence that's most alarming, said World Food Programme Chief Executive David Beasley. He highlighted the problem of humanitarian access, twinned with the need to deliver aid quickly before the rainy season makes roads impassable. The violence and the intimidation being inflicted upon the people of South Sudan and on humanitarian workers is disgraceful. It needs to stop. Fifteen humanitarian staff have been killed this year alone. More than 80 since the start of the conflict in December 2013. Even more importantly, the conflict again needs to stop. Mr. Beasley said that if funding is found, the risk of famine could be avoided. But the country is on the brink, he added, and additional resources are needed urgently to save lives. Moving on to other international news, police in Italy have arrested 68 people, including a Catholic priest and the head of a Catholic charitable agency. In a crackdown on what prosecutors described as a bid by organized crime to siphon off funds that were allocated to immigrants. Prosecutors said that an organized crime family, the notorious Ndragheta, had gained control of the distribution of funds to immigrants in a center for immigrants in Isola de Capo Risotto. The center for immigrants and a charitable agency known as Mercy had become ATMs for the mafia, said a police spokesman. Leonardo Sacco, the head of Mercy, was arrested, as was Father Eduardo Scordio, a priest connected with the agency. 
Investment in basic education is the key to breaking a cycle of poverty that is preventing one in four children in the Middle East as well as North Africa from reaching their full potential. That's according to UNICEF, which published a study on Monday showing that 25% continue to be trapped in poverty, fueled in part by conflict and mass displacement. UNICEF's Tamara Kummer has more details. The lack of education in this study was found to be one of the most important drivers of inequality and poverty for children. So what UNICEF is calling for is much more investment in education, um, as we know that that is really the key to helping children break out of the cycle of poverty, that you know, if they're not educated at a young age, there's a very high chance that their children will also Uh, grow up in poverty as well. So the study found that one in five children in the 11 countries that were covered in the analysis uh, has to walk more than 30 minutes to fetch water, or that same proportion has to use water that's not uh, safe for drinking. And we also found that more than one-third of children live in homes that don't actually get tap water. So what that means is that not only are children who are faced with that deprivation more exposed to the risk of waterborne diseases, it also means that it's a lot of time taken away from their day that could be otherwise spent studying or uh, playing and just being children. So these kinds of deprivations really tend to emphasize each other, so to speak, in the sense that um, children who are faced with multiple uh, deprivations, including low access to education or difficult access to safe water, have uh, a lot of difficulty breaking out of uh, the cycle of poverty that they're trapped in. And finally, Life Healthcare is encouraging everyone to get tested and know their blood pressure, cholesterol and blood glucose numbers in order to prevent and control rising blood pressure. May 17th marks World Hypertension Day. Hypertension, also known as high blood pressure, is a very common but often undiagnosed condition. If left undetected, your blood vessels and heart may undergo substantial damage, resulting in congestive heart failure, stroke, kidney disease and vision loss. With 6.3 million people living with high blood pressure, South Africa has one of the highest rates of hypertension worldwide. And those were just some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. You're listening to Catholic View right here on Radio Veritas, your only Catholic radio station in South Africa, 576 AM, otherwise on 870 DSTV Audio Bouquet. Coming up next, we'll be talking about Lesotho's upcoming general elections. Early general elections will be held in Lesotho on the 3rd of June to elect all 120 seats of the National Assembly, the lower house of the parliament. The elections will be more than three years ahead of schedule due to a successful vote of no confidence against the incumbent Prime Minister Pakalita Musisili. 
Now, to find out more about the atmosphere on the ground and preparations for the upcoming elections, I spoke to Mr. Bui Mohapi, the Executive Secretary of the Catholic Commission for Justice and Peace in Lesotho. Thank you very much for calling, and uh, I'm very grateful that you are following up on Lesotho issues. We, we have been kind of, since the, the, the date of elections have been announced for the third, third, third uh, June, we have been kind of uh, engaged in, in, in electoral and voter education throughout the, the country, especially in the diocese of Takasnak, uh, which is the, the most rural diocese. Uh, and the, most of the parishes are in the, in the remote and rural areas where people, many people are illiterate and many people don't have access to either radio, print media, even to some extent, I have, I have no access to the social media. So we have been kind of concentrating on those areas, providing education, trying to encourage people to vote, show people what they should, uh, what they should expect when they get to the polling station, what their rights are in regard to the elections, and all information regarding elections. And by the way, they, 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 they the Electoral Commission has actually, in, in collaboration with the civil society organizations in Lesotho, uh, launched a campaign to a kind of reach 85% voter turnout, which we also subscribe to. And that is, that is what we have been doing since the, the announcement of the elections. But also we have been uh, monitoring the, 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 the campaign process the, the rallies of the political parties. We have also been monitoring the overall uh, electoral atmosphere and the electoral environment and political environment in Lesotho to ensure that uh, the code of conduct for elections is being adhered to by all players. And we have been kind of doing a, a kind of a mediation between parties at the, at the constituency at, 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 at community level where people come to misunderstandings and we have been dealing with such cases and referring such some cases to the to the to the electoral commission where need where, where needed need arose so that is that is basically what we, we, we have we have been doing since the, the announcement of the elections in as far as we are concerned as a commission. What about the country as a whole? How's the mood like? And do people want to come out and vote? What is their mood at the moment? Well, uh, it's, it's a very, very, very relative uh, kind of a uh, situation. Some people are very, 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 very eager to vote. Some people are very angry at politicians. They feel very much betrayed by, by political leaders. They, they, have been, they have been to elections in just two years. And now, within two years, without having seen the results, seeing the, the delivery of services, seeing, seeing the delivery of the promises, now they, 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 they hear about the elections again. And that also put us in a very, very tight corner. We had to kind of explain to them the processes in Parliament, why, why Parliament had to, to, to be dissolved, what, what processes had to be followed, what the law says, what what is entailed in a in a in a, democra- in a democratic uh, dispensation? What happens in other countries as far as uh, elections are concerned? 
what kind of uh, coalition government uh, we have and what the results and implications of uh, coalition government. So we have been struggling to explain to people what, why, why these elections, why elections after two years, and that caused a lot of a lot of a lot of anger on the side of the of the electorate. But on the other side also, there is this other people who are very much uh, uh, enthusiastic about elections because they are following newly formed uh, political parties who are very vibrant, who come up with new issues, who come up with new promises, and who come up with new new new, new things altogether, who, who seem to to have come to turn things around. And th- th- those are the those are the, 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 the two different scenarios that that that, that you, you experience when you, you come to Lesotho. So those 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 have been have been the, 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 the challenge but on the on the whole on the whole when you look at things from a distance well the the, 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 the atmosphere is, is, is calm, people are happy, people are, are looking forward to the to the electorate, to the elections day, people are really excited about it. But there are some elements of anger, some elements of frustrations there and there, as I've already mentioned. Now, as the Justice and Peace Commission for the Catholic Church there in Lesotho, with elections coming up already next month, the 3rd of June, are there any more activities that you'll be um, engaging in? And how about your participation on the actual election day? Do you have a role to play on that day? Yes, of course. We are we are now busy with with uh, uh, enrolling uh, a, a list of uh, uh, election observers from local and from the Imbiza region. We have we will, we will be able to deploy to deploy to close to 200 observers. Uh, we have just received names from Imbiza yesterday, and we are working with the commission, uh, with the independent commission to register and get those, those, uh, those observers accredited. And some of them, by the way, are coming from the, the South, South and African Bishops' Conference, the Secretary General of the Bishops' Conference, uh, and her associate, uh, Sarah Patrick uh, uh, Rakekezi and others, will be joining us as, as the INVISA team. But over and above, then we'll have a team of clergy and religious and uh, our our justice and peace uh, committees throughout the, the the country observing the election. So our our role is quite very 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 big in terms of making sure that we we observe and, and monitor the the, the 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 election processes in general. So that's that's basically what now we are embarking on because the electoral education will end up on Monday. The t- our teams, who, who, which are which are in the in the in the, in the field in the parishes now, on Monday they will be coming back, and on Tuesday or on Wednesday next week we'll start mobilizing and doing the the orientation of of, of observers who will be deployed to, uh, on on Friday on the, on the on the second of of, of June. So that's 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 what we have been doing that, and that's that's what we'll be doing from now onwards. And then what about King Letia the third visit to Zimbabwe? How did that come about? <laughs> well, I really to be honest with you, I'm not I, I, I've only heard over the radio and over SACBC the SABC that uh, uh, the king has travelled to Zimbabwe. It was even said over SABC even before even the local media could even know about it. We don't know what what really 
and is entailed in his visit to Zimbabwe. We, we, everybody's like, what? Why, 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 why is the king visiting Zimbabwe? Why this time? Why Zimbabwe for that matter? We are, we really, we are really perplexed and so surprised and, 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 and shocked that the king is, is, is visiting Zimbabwe and we really, don't uh, understand the, the the policy, the 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 the, 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 the you know the benefits of the country as when it comes when it re, when it relates to what is very very critical now elections we don't really say we we kind of fail to re, to connect his visit with what the country is going through now and everybody is like we, we are not sure what is what is going on. Really, really, I must be honest. Uh, we are, we are all perplexed, and we are not sure what, what really uh, the king is going to do in Zimbabwe. We are told that it's a friendly visit, it's a state visit, but really, it, there are so many questions about it, and a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot is being asked about his visit. Those were all the questions I had for you. Anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? Well, uh, I, I would just, I just, I would just love to say thank you very much to to, to Radio Veritas and to the to the South Africans for the support they are they are fourteen Lesotho for the Catholic Church more especially. But we would want to 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 invite the the Catholic media, Southern Cross, and other Catholic media to to really focus to pay pay special focus and special attention to Lesotho to make sure that they cover all activities that are, are happening, especially during this, 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 this period, so that they, are also, they, they also become witnesses of what, what transpires in Lesotho. And that was Mr. Mohapi, the Executive Secretary of the Catholic Commission for Justice and Peace in Lesotho. Well, that brings me up to time. This has been your Wednesday's edition of Catholic View, a program produced and presented by Sheila Pirsch for Radio Veritas. Thank you so much for listening. Should you wish to get in touch with me, feel free to send me an email, Sheila at radioveritas.co.za. I'll be back again on Tuesday evening at the same time. Until then, God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Sheila Pirsch. <laughs>